Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Labor Day weekend, huh? And it seemed like an appropriate time for us to consider the beauty and the duty of work. Now, it's my calling to deal in the art of exhortation and persuasion. Some people say making much out of nothing. And I'm basically an honest and a straight shooting person. What you see with me is what you get. And I don't like to pull many punches when it comes to God's Word. It says what it says. Therefore, will come as no surprise when I share with you the awful yet profound truth that work is not really a grand and glorious thing. At the very least, I want us to begin with the obvious, and that is this. Work may make us feel rather useful and productive, even needed. At least we're not a drain on society. It keeps us busy, some of us, out of mischief, uh, sane to some extent, and too tired, usually, to worry about the deeper questions, such as, what does this all mean? To some people, work is our first duty. We're all about the work. For others, work is a curse of the leisure class. So it might seem strange then that both of these views are traceable back to the biblical story. So you see, besides being the Word of God, Scripture is also, I I hope you understand this, Scripture is an attempt by human beings to come to terms with existence. In other words, what we have in Scripture is human inspired by God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, but human an attempt to deal with the realities of the world in which people live. So for the wandering nomads that God's people had become, uh, people on the move, uh, strangers in a foreign land, there had to be a compelling reason to settle down and do steady work. And that work was no easy thing, huh, when they were in captivity. Most of it laying bricks and carrying things around and moving huge things. But they were inspired by God. And so we find in the Genesis story of creation an understanding of that. There in the book of our creation, we're told that work, is a curse. It's a curse for sin. Some sort of sin. A punishment. And we read that account, Laura did, this morning from the book of our beginnings. That's the biblical take on how work began. Well, that duty became an obsession. (laughs) That's the way we human beings do things. huh? That duty became an obsession with human beings because later on it was deemed necessary 
than to limit the lust and the appetite that had developed for working all the time. And so, we were given a commandment. You remember those? One of the ten. The third one, in fact. It's where God became the author of the six-day work week. Maybe you forgot. That's who created the whole thing. And later still, centuries in fact, Jesus Himself didn't seem too awed by work, did He? Think about it. He quit His gainful employment in the family carpentry business long before retirement age. And ironically, one of the things that Jesus was killed for was for what you saw in today's Gospel lesson, for working, when? On the Sabbath. So by the time of the Apostle Paul, which is a couple of decades later, the obsession for work had become a virtue again when he decreed that anyone who would not work shouldn't eat. And that the church should be paying their people a return for their labor. Pay people what they've earned, he said. So if you ask working people today why they work, you might get a small variety of answers, but generally speaking, most people will tell you the reason I work is to make a living. Because you got it. Even if people enjoy their work and who somehow have been blessed with a job that they love, that makes some sense or enriches their life, brings some meaning and purpose to it, the practical purpose of work is to bring home some cash, huh? To make a living. Now, perhaps that all seems too obvious to mention. Consider what it means. That all the time that we spend working is not really living. It's a trade-off so that we can do some real living. So that we have some resources to do the things that we love and enjoy. Picture that little nugget for a moment, will you? What might living consist of when you remove work from the equation? Maybe a can of soda in front of the TV? Or shopping for a new carpet? Or a new car? Mowing the lawn? Going to church? Working out? Painting the bathroom? There's something slightly daffy, I think, about spending most of our waking hours working on the fringe of life making money to buy things that further remove us from real living. As the old song goes, remember that? 16 tons. And what do you get? Another day older, deeper in debt. Hmm. What has gone wrong? We have come somehow to worship work 
At least many of us have. Maybe reluctantly, maybe absent-mindedly, maybe accidentally, but no less really. And it seems really ironic to me. I've, I've commented on this many, many times through the years. It seems ironic, doesn't it, that we celebrate Labor Day by taking a day off? Just to honor the concept of labor. And now we've got all these machines and we've got this technology that's supposed to save us time and energy so we can really live. And those things have enslaved us. Now we can seldom put our lives in the park and just stop and take it in. We seldom slow down. We slowly and not very often exhale. A lot of people call intentional interim ministry a time for a congregation to exhale. Just breathe. And so because computers don't rest, guess what we can do? Every moment of the day and night, we can work. Even on the Sabbath. And I thought that Jesus was Lord of the Sabbath. At least that's what our book says. And because machines don't sleep, we work swing shifts and night shifts. And because the non-believing shopkeeper works on Sunday, guess what we do? We shop. And because the restaurants are open, we eat out. I'm with you. We simply adopt the pace of our culture. And we kind of laugh at the French who are currently considering reducing their work week to three days. It's a good thing that God made human beings amazingly adaptable. huh? A man or a woman, I mean, they'll chain themselves to a desk or an office. They'll ruin their health. They'll give up their joy in living or cast it all away with the explanation well, baby needs a new pair of shoes. Or in my case, got one more I got to get through college. <laughs> I mean, a woman will wear herself out picking up and cleaning and nursing and nurturing and fretting and career building and still consider herself blessed by a baby's smile. Or a kind word from a grown son. Or a hand that is held by her beloved. We honor folks who've done this and this crazy work thing and have achieved so much. Millions of people have literally been honored and lifted up as kind of saints in the work world. We have statues to their tribute, this kind of forced labor, but not in Scripture. Remember the lesson of busy Martha? Hmm? Juxtaposed against uh, listening Mary. Remember the lesson? Consider the words of Jesus. They almost haunt me at times. They're our lesson for today, our Gospel for today. Come to Me, all you who are weary. 
All of you who carry extra burdens and freight, come to me because the burden I give to you, I will help you carry. And it's light. It's easy. I'll help you bear it. Something has gone awry. Centuries ago, somewhere along the way, we've lost that sense of happiness that comes without acquiring things more and more and more and more or being busy and busy and busy, working harder and harder so that we can have more and more so we don't have any energy to really live. There was a time in God's created order that work was not romanticized. It wasn't what made people fulfilled or happy or creative or holy. All work did was make you busy, even weary. But people understood that you worked in order to be free to love and to live the real part of life. Long before Freud analyzed it, folks instinctively seemed to know that real life was really divided into two categories, work and love. Now, because people are complicated, we say sinful, work is a complex activity. It's really a neutral thing. It's not good. It's not evil. It's not a blessing or a curse, and it's all those things. Scripture reminds us that ever since the beginning of creation, work, like every human thing, is simply provisional. It's our duty. It's what's been given to us since the beginning of humanity, since the Adam and Eve story. It's a part of life, but it's not life itself. It's given to us by God, but it's not God. Even Jesus did it, but only when love didn't have to take a back seat in order to do it. Now, let it be said here that I am not preaching this because I've got this thing down. I confess to you, that I mess this up all the time. This order of living and work. In all honesty, I'm preaching this because I need to be reminded of it. And Labor Day weekend seemed to be a good time. Like every other human being and every other human thing, work simply provides. It needs only to be taken for what it is with a smile and a tear and the sweat of your brow. It's a part of life. It's a part of our reality. But let us all be reminded on this Labor Day weekend here at the table of our Lord that work is not the whole thing. It is not our primary calling in life. There are several things that take priority to work on God's big list. 
Things like loving and listening and serving and worshiping and giving and caring. Those are all higher on the list, just to name a few. Listen again to these words. Come to me, all of you who are weary, who carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls, for any burden I give to you is light. And I will help you bear it. Now that sounds like a job that I could really live with. Amen. Glory be to you, Heavenly Father, through Christ our Lord, who with the Holy Spirit reigns eternally, one God, now and always. Amen.